0: and culture around the world. I am Monique Petavino and this is my guest Christine Hogan. Hello. Christine is a Morris dancer and um, Christine just to introduce Morris dancing before you start introducing Morris dancing I'd like you to tell us a little bit about yourself um, where you come from and a little bit about your traveling and how you got into Morris dancing.
1: Mm, okay, well I'm, I'm a Londoner by trade Born and bred and went to uni in London But came to Australia by bus We drove overland from London to Nepal wow. And then came by, from Bangkok down to Singapore And a Russian boat to Perth And in Perth we were very interested still in continuing our English traditions And so uh, there was already here the Perth Morris Men And in 1978, when my husband joined it, um, the women, we were sort of trailing, you know, our menfolk around, and they were having a really good time dancing, and we said, blow this, you know, we want to do it (laughs) too. And this coincided with a revival of Women's Morris, actually, in England at the time. Mm. So we started the Fair Maids of Perth doing dances from the northwest of England. So that was in 78. Uh, but now 19, you can... 1978. Oh yeah, not 1878, <laughs> no. Or 2070, no, no, not, not quite. <laughs> um, but now the costume I'm wearing is a completely different style of Morris dancing. Okay. And uh, this costume is uh, of the Mad Tatters Morris. And we started here in Perth 11 years ago, mm. a mixed Morris team, uh, to do a border Morris. That's the style of Morris dancing that originates from the borders between England and Wales mm. and in fact some people say it's very rowdy to scare away the Welsh but I think that's probably just a 10 story mm. not a real one. Mm.
0: Mm. So um, what's the history of Morris dancing because it's a very peculiar kind of dance and from what I understand there's um, some kind of ritual, some kind of performance, but it's a bit mixed, I I, I believe, but um, what's the history of it?
1: Well, like all cultural traditions, uh, this one is the origins exactly are lost in the mists of time. Mm. Some people say, does Morris come from Moorish dancing, northern Mm. Spain? We don't know. There's nothing written. The earliest written written uh, material we've got is from Shakespeare's time. And one of the comedians in Shakespeare's company, um, John Kemp, he danced, Kemp danced from London to Norwich over nine days and kept a diary. And people, women and men, joined with him along the way. It was obviously a very colourful performance. So it's all written up. And I mean, if you imagine, it's like dancing from Perth to Narragin. Mm. So it's a long way. Mm. And he was accompanied by a pipe and taber player, which is a person who plays a tabor or small drum yeah. with the left hand, but with the right hand plays a whistle, a five-hold whistle. So it takes some brain coordination to play this. That it does. Yeah, and we still we've got one in our team today. Richard really? plays pipe and tabor. It's hard enough to play
0: one or the other, but I know. both together. Both
1: cause. together, and he keeps the dancers and the musicians because we've got a lot of musicians now playing all sorts of different things mm-hmm. from melodians to piano accordions to other drums and uh, f- flutes and uh, recorders. So Richard is the link between the dancers and the musicians. There's a very strong bond. And as you mentioned the word ritual, it is a kind of ritual dancing in that the dances we perform like all cultures have evolved, but the steps and the, the movements um, are also, um, if you like, ritualized. And um, rather than opposed to, say, social dancing, like folk dancing, where everybody gets up and mucks around sort of thing, we have certain dances that we perform. So, for example, one dance called Hunter's Moon um, is in honour of the tradition for the October Moon, when Morris dancers would go out um, to um, actually, at night, poaching. So if I show you the feathers now... Um, Morris dancing was done by ordinary people and um, they used to go out in the full moon in October to poach um, animals from the Lord of the Manor so you can see pheasant feathers Mm. so pheasants and other animals would be illegally captured because that was a way of supplementing the poor family's food income Mm. Um, so that's why we have some uh, feathers uh, traditionally, but I've also Beautiful. got Australian feathers as well, and emu feather, feathers, feather. and red-tailed black cockatoo, and yeah. other things. Yeah. Um,
0: so, so that's more of an autumn kind of ritual. It's, is that something that's related to the season being well? The dance over?
1: we, yeah, the dance we perform any time, but mm. we tell people the story because it's a hunter hunting dance. And in fact, we clash sticks. We have different size sticks. Mm. And so we, we, um, we clash sticks, and you'll hear later the music, which is, uh, we have bells on our, our, our knees, uh, so when we dance, we're kicking the bells. And uh, so we, in, in Perth, we dance all the year round, mm. preferably not in too much heavy rain, because you can imagine we get pretty wet. Yeah, but, um, yeah, I mean, in, in the olden days, um, Morris dancing originally was performed for money, uh, for the Lord of the Manor, Um, or in churches or in um, stately homes. And then it was later on, it started to be um, performed at at country fairs um, and people would travel around. Mm. But in the early days, in the 1500s, begging, because people would put a hat out, and begging was illegal. Um, And uh, people could be fined very heavily or even imprisoned. Really? So this led to a tradition at that time for some teams to blacken their faces Mm -hmm. as disguise. And um, this nowadays has tended to, very few teams do, and in fact unfortunately it's been misconstrued because it's not anything to do with racism, it was using black as a disguise. And uh, it sometimes has been misconstrued, which is a great pity because it was a cultural tradition.
0: Um, so what is um, we when we um, spoke before um, this interview? You, know, you mentioned Cecil Sharp and Mary Neal, and hmm. I, I'm, I I'd like to know what is their role in the growing in the history of Morris dancing.
1: Okay, okay. Well, Cecil Sharp was a very interesting man. Um, he was set about collecting English traditional music from farmers and. People and and he went around England on a bicycle because he didn't want, he he had the money to have a car in about the 1920s, 1910s, 1920s, but he went around by bicycle and he did recordings of traditional music. And in fact, in London now, Cecil Sharp House is a wonderful building with huge libraries, dance halls, and they teach. various instruments um, it's a big repository of English song and dance oh, that's amazing. and it's amazing he was a major contributor um, and he collected Morris dancing and it was funny because our style of Morris dancing which is really rowdy and we yell and we clash and he looked at it and he said I really think that Border Morris is f- hardly worth collecting because he saw it as too rowdy but things got even more interesting because you mentioned Mary Neal yeah. And I'm fascinated by this woman because she set up in London uh, the Esperance Club. And, of course, in WA we've got the town of Esperance. Now, in the east end of London, she was a suffragette and she wanted to help the women who were working in the clothing factories and also the street workers, the prostitutes. And she set up and she asked Cecil Sharp, first of all, for some songs. Mm -hmm which the women loved and just launched into with incredible energies. And then she said, well, have you got any dances? And they introduced Morris dancing. Now, the women loved it. And she also taught women to go across England and teach it. So they were very, very mobile. And the women, just it just changed their lives. Mm. And they performed at a lot of suffragette meetings too. And then uh, Mary Neal and her friend got booked to go to America to dance at Carnegie Hall and to teach. But Cecil Sharp, by this time, had got a bit frustrated because (laughs) he wasn't impressed that the women danced with such gusto. And he was very much a collector that thought that the dances should be done exactly how they were collected. And, of course, the women were being really flamboyant, right? So he cancelled all their bookings. Can you imagine arriving in New York from England? Anyway, so not to be um, daunted by this, Mary Neal and her friend, they've got all the bookings back and they carried on. And they were a great success in America. And I mean, we have Morris dancing teams all around the world now. But Mary Neal went on to do a lot of work and she was honored later on um, by the crown for her contributions to English Song and Dance. But she's kind of been written out of history a bit. Mm. Funny that, mm. you know, we've got Cecil Sharp House and other things, and I only discovered her work a little while ago, which is why it's lovely to keep her story alive in yeah. programmes like this. So
0: she basically invented the keep calm and keep Morris dancing, right? keep, keep going, yes,
1: <laughs> and and definitely picking up the pieces when things went wrong, yeah. um, and also just trying it out in different areas, but teaching the women to teach them, you know, to yeah. teach others. Yeah, yeah.
0: that's great. Um, Christine, you also mentioned um, the green man Mm -hmm. in the the dancing, Um, what does he represent?
1: Well different teams have different sort of tokens, at times we have a, a person dressed up as a green man or woman. Now it's interesting this symbol Um, because researching it I used to see symbols of it in carvings in outside stately homes or even in churches it's pre-christian and if I can describe it it's it's like a a face with leaves coming out the mouth and the ears and the eyes Mm. and it symbols with nature the whole cycle of birth and rebirth and so I researched it and I thought, that's interesting. And a couple of years ago, I was working in Bhutan and I saw green men there, oh. carvings. Wow. And then I asked about it and I found out it was also in India. So in actual fact, this symbol goes right across from England, right across to Asia, across the Silk Road. I imagine it was somehow, it carried across and you'll mm. see it in across Europe and Asia. And it's got a revival at the moment because of the environmental movement. Yeah. Um, but it's also interesting. Did it? I mean, was it simultaneously developed? You know, or did it come from the east and spread to the west, or from the west? We don't and know. Do we you know,
0: know when, uh, in, when in time it it actually could have migrated towards the east or? Most no,
1: recent? no. I mean, it's, it is a very ancient symbol. Mm. And so it keeps, you know, people finding it in different places. Um, But as I said, the green man dresses up all in green and all green headgear and everything, and sometimes with leaves and other things, and to represent nature. We
0: we do see in many cultures a lot of representation of nature. Absolutely. um, With the different seasons, the death of one season and the renewal of of life at the next season. That's right. So... I guess it kind of makes sense that there should be some mm. form of res- representation of all, the, all those elements in nature that are growing. Yes.
1: So the green man. man is, yeah. It totally makes sense. But, I mean, that's in our team. Mm. Other teams have a unicorn or a horse or mm. all sorts of different oh, things, right. you see. Um, but uh, there's also the thing of the sticks, because when we're flashing sticks and we're kind of, you know, it's quite some, um, what, it's, it's controlled, but it is quite, you know, um, gutsy dancing <laughs> but also when you're banging the ground sometimes people say well it's like waking up mother nature you yes. know, you, you know, and yes. dancing is very grounded you're yes. stamping on the ground you're linked to nature yeah? so we this have a forester so in the group who collects wood some of our dances have um, much longer sticks this is for a short stick dance mm. and we clash
0: What
1: kind of wood is it? I don't know. Does it really matter? Oh, yes. Some of them split. In fact, we we have insurance because sometimes (laughs) bits of wood fly off um, and you have to be careful of people. I haven't hurt anybody yet, but um, yeah, different different styles of wood that don't flake off. Yeah. I imagine
0: this shouldn't be too heavy either. No, It shouldn't, no, be, it should be, have a it shouldn't be too dense of a wood. Yeah,
1: you've you still yeah. got to imagine, you know, it, it actually
0: sounded hollow when you banged yeah. them together. Well,
1: this one, I, I didn't have another long one with me at home. This one I made when I was having el- Morris Dancer's elbow. Ah. And I had a sore elbow, so oh. we made one out of tubing and made it look like wood. Right. And it was just merely to get away with it. Okay. Um, because uh, this can be quite heavy. Yes. So if you're having elbow problems, well, it's mm. good to have something a bit lighter. I like um, I like the
0: feel of this one. Yes. Yeah. It
1: no, it's it's it is a, it is a very you yeah, know good fun sort of dancing, mm. and of course dancing gives you a lot of energy and it's the mental yes, agility yeah. as well because yeah. you've got to be careful with this you, otherwise you'd hit somebody mm. around the head or something which is not much
0: fun. Well, I guess the sticks are um, a good segue to talk a little bit about the costumes as well. So yeah. you talked, you mentioned about yeah. the the feathers. Um, what's
1: Yes, costumes. Well, I'm glad you asked. Seeing as I brought it along today,
0: yeah, and it's beautifully colourful and um, and and nicely. It's I'd like to, to say it's happy. It's a yeah. happy costume, isn't
1: yeah, it? it is a happy... And it's called a tatter coat, hence, because these are tatters, and our team's name is called the Mad Tatters Morris, mm. not the Mad Hatter, because that's like yes. the mad, well, mad Hatter in Alice in Wonderland. Yeah. But tatter coats, I imagine, were... Might be, When the poorer people were developing their costumes, it was recycling
0: Mm. bits of
1: material. Yes. And so, you know, when I made this one, I just put out to the neighbours and said, have you got any bits of material? And they chucked me out all their bits. And, of course, when we dance, it's lovely because it moves. Yes. And everybody makes their own colours. Mm. So all the coats of people's are different ones. And there's kind of a lot of interest in that. Some people have made two or three that are very keen. Um, I've uh, got a couple. One person made one totally out of men's ties, which is good for winter because it's warm. Mm. Um, so there's a lot of creativity and fun. And when we're all out together, it is very vibrant. Yeah.
0: yeah, I can imagine. Well, I've seen some videos, mm. and it's really it's beautiful. Um, now that you're here in Australia, mm-hmm. why do you keep um, this tradition going? The the, 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 the the Why do you keep dancing? Well, basically, yeah. It's, I think Ish. it's it's a bit of a it's a bit of a stretch of a question, it's an open-ended yes. question for you, um, but why, why, why do you keep dancing now that you're so far from from England? Mm. and? Um.
1: I think it's like a lot of cultures. We are the guardians of, of our cultures and yes. I think that's really important yes. that we keep it alive, keep it evolving as mm. well. Um, there's hundreds of Morris dance groups across the world. I belong to the Hong Kong Morris at one stage really? when we worked there. Yeah. Oh, and why do we keep dancing? It's, it keeps you very alive and vibrant, fitness, but it is guarding and, um, you know, actually performing about your culture and teaching others. Plus, we get to travel. We've been to Shanghai three times.
0: Oh, that's... Yeah. That's, on that note... On that note. On that note, I'd like to specify that for those of you watching on YouTube, and if you're not watching this interview on YouTube, do go ahead and watch it. Um, we um, will have the also um, the video of that show in uh, Shanghai, mm-hmm. which is a full moon...
1: Yeah, it was a hunter's moon dance. A
0: hunter's moon dance. Yes. And it, it's beautiful. I got to watch some of it and it's really, really beautiful. Um, there's um, the lighting is also playing with, with the the moonlight moon yeah. and everything. And the um, group also s- spoke or sang in, in, in um, yeah, Mandarin. Mandarin, yeah. Right? I had
1: an idea because we were going and I said to the group, well, why don't we dance on in a circle and then suddenly stop and we'll have four beats and we'll launch into one verse of a traditional Chinese folk song. And the one that I knew was the Kung Ding love song. Mm -hmm. And I said, we just learn one verse and just see what happens. And of course, everybody said, oh, you're nuts, you know, (laughs) as usual, Um, but that's okay. And we practiced and practiced and the audience loved it. And you know, our dancing went out from eight TV channels China so this they told us was going out to something like 300 million people or something and we were going oh okay um <laughs> no, <laughs> fine. Pressure. no pressure no pressure <laughs> and uh, anyway we did and when we turned to the audience there was this ah oh, there was a gasp you could hear it yeah. and then the audience started to join in with us and there was this wonderful moment in time where we were all singing together and then and we stopped and carried on.
0: And there was a connection. There was a connection. A that's yeah. created at that moment. And they appreciated
1: right? that yeah. we'd gone to that trouble. It's a bit like they, if they came here and they sang Walsing Matilda, we'd be pleased too. <laughs> but it didn't mean we got invited back twice after that. We were wow. the only international team that's to great. keep getting invited back, which was wonderful. That's great. Yeah.
0: yeah. So do go on YouTube. On um, So if you research Matt Tatters Morris, so Matt Tatters, T A W T E R S
1: Morris, M-O-R-R-I-S, M-O- U- yeah. yeah.
0: on YouTube, and you can see that video um, in Shanghai. Yeah. It's really, really nice. It's really worth the watch. Um, do you have any thought-provoking um, stories, Christine?
1: Yeah, there was one story I actually read on the web And it was a story from London. And it's funny, I've tried to find it again since, but my recollection was that there was a Morris team dancing just outside of Trafalgar Square and dancing in the street. And in the distance, they could hear the beating of a drum and marching. And there was this old woman in the crowd came up to them And she saw them, and the dancers were a bit disoriented because Mm. it was a bit menacing. Mm. And the sound of the marching and the drumming got nearer and nearer, and she said, keep dancing. And they did. And the team danced, but the marchers came near, and they were... It was in the 70s, but it was followers of Mosley. They were a Nazi group. Mm. And she just said, keep dancing, and they did. And when they finished, she went up to the team and she pulled her shirt back just to show the numbers on her wrist. Mm. And she was a concentration camp survivor. And I think that's something to be thought of. I mean, dancing is a major way of communicating. Music and dance is a wonderful way across cultures that we can engage in. Um, But yeah, that was a a story that stuck in my mind. Mm.
0: Mm. You're a living proof that dancing is a way of connecting um, people from different parts of the world together, because... We all dance, don't we? We we, we all make sounds somewhat. I mean, even if you go back to the hunter-gatherer, they probably did start banging on wood and making some kind of rhythm, some kind of tempo to move on and to move to. And um, we have different styles of music and different reasons for dancing in different parts of the world. And sharing it is always... Amazing to be able to learn from each other, mm. and, 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 and there's so much to learn, isn't
1: there? Oh, yes, and, and that's yeah. what's nice about going out to different uh, fairs and cultural events because yeah. we get to see so many other cultures mm. and interchange with them. You know, mm. backstage, we meet all yeah. sorts of interesting people. Yeah, yeah.
0: Totally. Um, we're coming close to the end of this interview, Christine, but I'd like to say we're in very weird. Times at the moment mm. with this pandemic going on, and we really have to yep. acknowledge how lucky we are here in WA to be living so normally, so freely w- w- without COVID. Mm. I mean, it's it's really I mean we're very few in the world who can live the way we are living here in WA. Um, how has COVID impacted
1: your team? Well, we've been, as you say, very lucky. Mm. During lockdown, we Morris danced on Zoom in our homes, so we kind of still continued doing some dance. Um, It wasn't quite the same, obviously. Mm. But um, then there was uh, one of the Perth Morris men, Terry Sweet, who we knew. He changed one of their dances, a Cotswold dance called Shepherd's Hay. And he wrote it up as COVID Hay mm-hmm. um, for his team to dance at um, on May Day morn up at Kings Park. And in the chorus, um, he had built in all these sort of COVID desirable behaviours. Right. The social distancing, <laughs> putting your arms out, the coughing into your sleeve, um, uh, the washing of your hands. And so we called it we'd COVID Hay and so
0: integrating our new normal yes into a dance right? absolutely
1: yeah. and not you know to to actually get people to remember those mm. those behaviors and so we filmed it at earl's ferry house in Guildford and made a youtube of it which oh, we've great. sent around the world um for other teams to enjoy as well because it's and again it's culture evolving so again it's a, an old dance but one part of it shows the covid desirable behaviors Mm -hmm. and again it shows how ritual dancing can um incorporate you know things that happen to us in the world yeah
0: yeah yeah that's great so i do encourage you to go check out the youtube channel of um morris um sorry mad tatters morris and check out all the different videos that you can um we're, we're going to Play a few at the end of um, this interview. Uh, Also check out um, Matt Tatters Morris Facebook page, um, the website matttattersmorris.org. There's the YouTube which I've mentioned. There's also you can also email Christine if you uh, would like some more information about it because Christine teaches Morris dancing and it's Christine at Hogan's, H-O-G-A-N-S dot I-D dot A-U, or you could call, um, her, the phone number is 92798 778. And yes, I do encourage you to go watch the YouTube channel and see as many videos as you can, because it's really, really cool. Um, Christine, thank you so much for coming by today and talking to us about Morris dancing. I I can see the passion. (laughs) I can hear the passion in your tone and I can see the passion in your clothing. Thank you. (laughs) And um, um, yeah, so Um. we are here. I'd like to thank also Unite Studio for hosting us here. Um, Unite Studio is a multicultural platform for us to talk about different things, different topics. And I really do appreciate um, all the stories that bring us together um, from different parts of the world. Um, And and again, Christine, thank you for sharing the Morris dancing with us here today.
1: My pleasure. Thank Thank you, you, Monique, very much indeed. Thank you.